Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this 18th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean, you who keep repeating this proverb concerning the, the soil of Israel? Fathers eat sour grapes, and their sons' teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the Lord God, you will never again use this proverb in Israel. Indeed, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father is mine, just like the soul of the Son. The soul who sins is the one who will die. But you say, the Lord's way is not fair. Listen now, hosts of Israel. Is it not my way that is not fair? Is it not your ways that are not fair? If a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and practices unrighteousness, he will die because of it. Because of the unrighteousness that he has practiced, he will die. But if a wicked man turns from his wickedness that he has done and practices justice and righteousness, he will preserve his life. Because he has seen and turned away from all the rebellious acts that he had committed, he will surely live and he will not die. But the house of Israel says, the Lord's way is not fair. Is it really my ways that are not fair, O host of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not fair? Therefore I will judge each one of you according to his ways, O host of Israel, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all your rebellious acts, so that you will not set out a stumbling block that makes you guilty. Throw off from yourselves all your rebellious actions by which... You have rebelled and obtained a new heart and a new spirit for yourselves. Why should you die, O hosts of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. So repent and live. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being united in spirit, and having one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility consider one another better than yourselves. Let each of you look carefully, not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Indeed, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. But he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness, and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 21, beginning at the 23rd verse. When Jesus went into the temple courts, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I will also ask you one question. If you answer it, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? And if we say from men, we are afraid of the crowd, because they all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. He said to them, Then I will not tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. He came to the second and said the same thing. The second son answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I tell you. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. However, the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. Even when you saw this, you did not change your mind and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 121 beginning at the 23rd verse. I'm going to open with these words from our text. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. He came to the second and said the same thing. The second son answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. However, the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. Even when you saw this, you did not change your mind and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, It is a very painful thing to watch someone die. There is nothing you can do or to even hear the doctor say there's nothing more they can do. You may hold that loved one's hands and hold it while they take that last breath. You know that from what it says from the Bible that their body and soul has now separated. And when the soul leaves the body, that means the brainwave activity stops. It means that uh, there's no more 
breathing, no more brainwave activity, no more heart beating. The body is, is dead. Now comes the tears. And there were probably tears before this. And you would think, why have tears? Because death seems so common, doesn't it? Even in Psalm 23, you know, we, we hear of the words that we live in the valley of the shadow of death. And, and so why would you cry? Death happens all the time. People are dying all the time. We hear it on the news. Is there ever a day we don't hear about someone dying? And yet, we find ourselves crying because death is not natural, even though it's going on all the time. It is one of the most unnatural acts when that soul separates from that body. In fact, the only hope that we have is knowing that that soul and body will one day be reunited in the glories of heaven. But we do shed a tear, and we do find ourselves pain terribly inside. What's also painful is watching someone spiritually die. Someone who has rejected the Lord in unbelief, and you know that because of unbelief, they won't see the glories of heaven. And especially it's painful when it's actually a loved one. You try to say something, you try to do something. Maybe you don't always do the right thing, but it just pains you inside to see someone reject Christ. It's terribly painful to hear of these religious leaders, these chief priests and elders in the law and these scribes and and. And once again, leaders in the Sanhedrin itself, this was the ultimate Jewish authority. It, it's, it's painful to hear how they're rejecting the Lord in unbelief. They're, they're refusing to listen to all the, they're refusing to listen to all the Old Testament prophecies which Jesus is fulfilling, and they refuse to take to heart all the miracles he's performing that proves over and over again that he is the Son of Man and the Son of God, the Savior of the world. What I do find amazing is how Jesus doesn't quit and give up. He continues to reach out to these leaders. It's Tuesday of Holy Week, so in a couple days, Jesus is going to be arrested and they're going to nail him to the cross. Two days before this, Jesus actually triumphantly rode into Jerusalem on that baby donkey. And the people were laying down those palm branches and their cloaks and, and singing Hosanna to the Son of David and giving all praise to the Lord God as Jesus was coming in. On Monday of that Holy Week, Jesus, the first thing he does is flip over the money changer tables. Now this is Passover week. And because it's Passover week, this is going to be a big money-making thing. Oh, all the sacrifices. There are even more sacrifices that are going to be made during this week. This is the time. And that these guys are, are maybe make the majority of their money for the whole year. And Jesus comes and flips over the money-changer tables. As he yelled out, this is a place of prayer and not a den of thieves. 
The next day he will be preaching and teaching all day once again in the temple courts. And now the religious leaders come up to him, and it's not surprising that they would ask him the question, by what authority do you do these things? What gives you the right? Now, without them coming out and saying it, it's really rather obvious. What they're saying to him is, we didn't give you the right, so what right do you think you have? Because we're the only ones who can give you that right. This is not the first time that they questioned by what authority someone did something. John the Baptist was questioned. He made it clear that he was not the Christ. That there is one who is coming whose sandals he's not even worthy to untie. And so it's not surprising to hear Jesus bring up about John's baptism. He would not answer their question by what authority he does what he does unless they first answered the question, by what authority does John do what he did when it came to baptism? Was it from heaven or was it from men? They even had a little sidebar. They had to discuss this. They saw this as Jesus possibly tricking them. Because if they said from heaven, well, then the next thing we expect him to say is, well, why didn't you believe him if it's from heaven? Especially since you're the religious leaders. But if we say from man, well, then we're going to have to deal with the crowd who's going to rise up possibly against them because they saw John as a great prophet who came from God. So their answer was, we do not know. Jesus replied that he would not tell them. But actually he did. By the same authority that John the Baptist had is the same authority that Jesus has. He is the Son of God who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he came once again to fulfill all those Old Testament prophecies and the miracles were proof that he is the one. He has the authority. They do not. Jesus doesn't walk away. Instead, he reaches out to them again. These are unbelievers. Remember, these are the people that are actually plotting and planning against him behind his back. Oh, there was the Pharisees. There was the Sadducees. There were the Herodians. They actually were uniting together so that they could look for an opportune time in order to arrest him and end his life. And here's Jesus, who obviously knew this, reaching out to them. This is truly an act of grace. This is truly an act of undeserved love. When he asks the question, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he tells the first son to go out into his vineyard to work. And the son said, I will not. This was cruel. This was mean. This was defiant. I will not go. His father asked him to go. What about respecting your father, even under the fourth commandment? Honor your father and mother. But he said, I will not. But then we're told that later he changed his mind and went. The word changed his mind is actually, the, in the original language, the word for repent. 
There's more than one word for repent. This one has the idea of repent that comes with regret and sorrow. So he changed his mind, obeyed his father, and he went and served. Now the father goes to the second son and tells him the same thing, to go out into the vineyard to work. And this son says, I will serve, even calling his father sir, which in the original language is the word for Lord. He was giving his father the highest honor in, in speaking to him, not just as his father, but saying, you are the Lord. You are, I'm your servant. I belong to you. I kneel down before you. What a beautiful thing that this son would say. But then we're told he did not go and work in the vineyard. So Jesus asks the question, which one of them did the will of his father? Notice he didn't ask, which son are you? Which one actually did the will of the father? And the reply was the first one. That even though that first one said no to his father, but he did carry out the work, where obviously the one who said yes to his father didn't do anything. So carrying out the work of the father was, has to be the first one. This is not a hard question. And even the leaders could figure this one out. And that's when Jesus described the two sons. He spoke of the first son as being really the son who represents the tax collectors and the sinners. These are the prostitutes. These are the social low class. These are the ones who weren't invited to come to the synagogues or even at the temple. They were not worthy to even offer sacrifices because these were sinners who went against God's holy word. Yes, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. But these are the ones who went out to John the Baptist when he preached about the coming of the Lord. They were the ones that would hear the message like no doubt Andrew and John heard when... Jesus was walking by, and John the Baptist said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These are the people who were not following God's holy wills and commands. They were the ones rejecting the Lord in unbelief, and it was seen in their lives and in their practices. But they were the ones who repented. They were the ones who came to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus announces that they are the ones who are doing the will of the Father. They're saved. Two things we can say about them. Once again, they're not worthy to be saved. They've done terrible things. They, they, they have sinned. They have gone against God's holy will. But that's true of all of us. Have any of us been so perfect? Have any of us, can we honestly say that we're so perfect and so good and so wonderful that God deserves to save me? He has to save me. I deserve to be saved. He owes it to me. And the other thing we can see in these tax collectors and these prostitutes is Jesus came to pay for their sins too. But they did terrible things. Oh, there's no way God would forgive them. And yet do not belittle the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. When he paid for the sins of the world, he paid for every sin. 
So when these people repented with sorrow in their hearts, trusting in the forgiveness that is theirs in Christ Jesus alone, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they're trusting and believing is not the reason why now God owes them forgiveness. People will say this all the time. All you have to do is repent and God will save you. No, God doesn't save us just because we say we're sorry. God saves us because Jesus paid for our sins in full. We don't have to live under the fear of, did I say it enough? Did I mean it enough? Did I care enough? Did I... Did, does, is God going to be pleased with it enough? I know that my sins are paid in full because Jesus paid for all of those sins. And that's a divine fact. And because he paid for all of my sins, the very Lord who says that when we repent of our sins, trust in the forgiveness because it is he, by his grace and mercy, that grants that forgiveness. He paid the debt. And he paid it in full the debt of sin that we could not pay and live. But Jesus did. The second son, those were those religious leaders. Oh, they act very religious. Oh, they were known to give 10% of their gross income to the church. They were the ones who would say their prayers five times a day, even if it meant that they were caught in the middle of the street, they would stop and pray. These were the people you looked up to. These were the religious ones. These were the ones that were obviously doing God's holy will, or at least that's what everyone thought. But Jesus makes it clear that these religious leaders are not doing the Father's will, even though they say they are, because they have rejected the Lord Jesus in unbelief. Unbelief. These are the people that, because of that unbelief, will not be saved. And it is painful to hear. And yet, by God's grace and mercy, Jesus is reaching out to them in love, still warning them, still inviting them, still encouraging them, and inviting them to repent. What's horrifying when I read about what these religious leaders are doing, I can't help but think, could I be one of them? Is God pleased with me? Am I, a, am I the type of son who says, yes, Lord, I serve you, but deep down I don't? I would think that the worst thing anybody could ever hear, especially on the last day, is thinking that you're going to go to heaven, but hearing the words of Jesus who said, I don't know you. Away from me, you evildoer. How can I even know that I'm really saved? How can I really know that I'm not one of these? And the only way to know is to know that Anytime you hear a preacher or a teacher start talking about, here's what you need to do to be saved, even if it's a little bit of doing, put up a warning flag immediately. This isn't from God. For the Holy Scriptures makes it very clear that Jesus gets all the credit. God gets all the credit. Even my believing in him is a gift of God through the Holy Spirit who lives in my hearts. 
always testifying of Christ. Give God the credit and the glory because only God is our Savior. So even though Jesus didn't ask this question, I ask you, which son are you? Some would say be the first one who obviously carried out his father's will, even though he said no. But I've heard preachers even preach, and I've said it too, that maybe we ought to be the third son that's not mentioned here, the one who says, I will, and then goes and does. But the important thing here is not necessarily which son, but heed the invitation of our God to these precious people and really to all of us to repent of our sins. And repentance is certainly the sorrow over sin, but also that faith and trust in Jesus who paid for those sins in full. Be a repentant son. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.